It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you, Paying It Forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on Triggynet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Girasi. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here, and I am so excited about our show today. I am going to start off with the great business tip of the day. So I thought a great tip, especially at this time of the year, would be as entrepreneurs, we need to know when to take a break. Yes, we are, we are all crazy busy. But knowing when to step away from your business is a crucial step toward building a successful business. Take the time to review what's been working and what has not been working. Clear your mind, rest, relax, and rejuvenate, and come back ready to start the new year off with the Big Bang. So that's my plan, and I hope you guys will follow along with me, and I want to take this opportunity to wish everyone who's out there listening a very happy new year. Next, I'd like to give you a brief, a very brief bio, a highlighted version of the bio of today's guest, which is Bruce Bockenheimer. Bruce has so many he has received so many awards he is an absolutely amazing person you can go on the toginet website right now if you go on we're right there on the front page and you can read all about bruce you can go straight to his website which is you know listed on that um toginet website right now and you can get all the background information on bruce But um, before we do that, I just want to give you a really quick background on who Bruce is. And I'd also like to mention that Bruce is a repeat guest on Paying It Forward. And a lot of you know, a lot of my regular listeners know, I don't have a lot of people come on for the second time unless I really, really feel they are that good. And Bruce is that good. So um, if you'd like to see our prior show, you can always go to the Paying It Forward um, list of podcasts and his podcast was November 15th, 2012. Okay. With that, let me just let you all know that Bruce is a clinical professor of management. He is the director of the entrepreneurship lab and um, he's also a faculty fellow of the Wilson Center for Social Entrepreneurship, and all of this is at Pace University. So I thought um, Bruce would be perfect to talk about business plans, especially at this time of the year. But um, Bruce also, he teaches business plan development courses, both on the undergraduate and the MBA level. And he's been quoted in many, many publications, um, 
all pertaining to business plans and lots and lots of other things. Bruce is a truly talented person, and we are all lucky to have Bruce on Paying It Forward today. With that, Bruce, I would like to welcome you to Paying It Forward. Thank you. Thanks, Josephine. Well, Bruce, I'm so excited because this is just such a great topic. I love talking about topics that I'm actually working on now in my business. And with the end of the new year coming in, I mean, I've had such a, a really good year. I've taken a lot of different courses with um, My Mom Knows Best and my Glovies product. And I'm kind of at a point where I have to really sit back and decide where I'm going. And I went back to my original business plan and I'm like, wow, I can't believe how much my business has changed from the time that I originally wrote it. So my first question to you, Bruce, is how important are business plans and when should somebody sit down and do their first draft? Well, I think that... um you know, planning uh, for a business is very important. It's not necessarily, um, you know, critical to, to write a, a formal business plan. It, it depends on the situation. But um, it was Benjamin Franklin who said, if you failed to plan, you are planning to fail. So right. I think um, a degree of, of planning is, um, is necessary, is, is helpful, is important, is going to... Um, you know, save costs and time in the long run and avoid um, at least some painful mistakes. There will there'll always be, um, you know, mistakes and failures, but I think planning could, could help avoid a lot of those. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean that one has to prepare, you know, a typical 40, 50-page um, written business plan uh, to accomplish mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's so funny that you should say that, Bruce, because not having any experience doing what I'm doing, I felt so much pressure in the beginning when I decided to open up my business. I felt so much pressure that I had to have this whole detailed business plan. I'd stress about it. And all of a sudden, I just sat down one day. Actually, you know what happened? Oprah had a special on, and she was talking about mom entrepreneurs that were sitting home that had ideas. And she came up with a one-page business plan, and she recommended people to just, you know, follow that one-pager. And I have to tell you, Bruce, that helped me a lot. I don't know, you know, if you thought, if you think that's, you know, a start is to just, start to maybe get your goals down on on paper. What do you think, Bruce? Well, I think putting things on paper is, is definitely important. You know, things may seem clear in your mind, but as you begin to put them on paper, um, you realize questions that, you know, you, you didn't answer, things you didn't think about, and it just helps clarify things quite a bit. Um, one page you know, in, in writing a business plan, I, I try to tell the students, you know, 99 plus percent of the time, the only thing people are going to read is the executive summary. Um, you know, and if that's not great, they're, they're not going to, you know, go any further. And, you know, a bit of an exaggeration, but it should take you as long to write the executive summary, the one-page executive summary, as it takes you to write the rest of the plan. Um, and it's generally the last thing you wrote. Now, a lot of times that, that one page could help you quite a bit, but in terms of planning for the business, you probably can't get, you know, things like the financials. And that doesn't mean you need to prepare, 
you know, three-year pro forma financials with, you know, cash flow, balance sheet, income statement, et cetera. Um, however, you probably do want to sit down and figure out what kind of, you know, sales can I expect? What type of, um, ex- uh, you know, expenses will I incur to do that? What kind of, you know, funding do I need up, you know, up front? When will I need additional funds? And, and some other things, you know, just broad general things, the, you know, the, the, the basic market, the industry, some overview of your product, the competitors, um, some milestones you'd like to achieve. So those are things that probably can't all fit in a one-page executive summary, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, they certainly could fit on a, um, a couple pages, and that one page could really help you clarify quite a lot. Okay. So, Bruce, I, I think you're so right about the fact that it's just, it's something that evolves. You know, Bruce, I don't know, when you started, you owned several businesses years ago. When you started your business, in my opinion, I am just so amazed every day how the road constantly keeps changing. It's almost, you go left and then you go right and it's never that straight road. So, The idea of having a business plan is one thing, but keeping that business plan alive, I think, is a whole different story and trying to stay on track. So that's really the gist of why I thought it would be a great idea for you to come on and um, talk about, you know, the importance of business plans. So, Bruce, we have about two minutes until our break. Would you like to start off as maybe um, discussing the most important thing, um, how to start getting, you know, how to get started writing your business plan? Well, I think, um, sure, but just before that, you said things change a lot, and and the business plan... Um, doesn't it's not necessarily meant to be some something that's written in stone that that is kept now mm-hmm. you know sometimes not having a business plan could um, or having a very light one could be helpful because you don't feel that you know rigidly uh, wedded to to some you know plan and and you know milestones um, you know on the other hand not having one it, it's very hard to stay focused and accomplish things but especially in today's world where Things are changing so rapidly, technology, competition, mm-hmm. the way of doing business, etc. Um, plans will change. And, you know, there's an expression in the um, investor world, it's always better to bet on the, the jockey instead of the horse, or the idea is that the entrepreneur is more important than the, than the idea or the plan because things will change. And what you need is a, a great entrepreneur who are going to be able to adapt and change. The buzzword these days seems to be pivot. Um, preparing that plan, even if things change, isn't hurting you. It's not like you've wasted your time. It better prepares you to know, you know, that you should be pivoting because, you know, things aren't going per plan. Um, you know, and it'll help you, again, to avoid some of the, the more common mistakes, you know, uh, realizing that there's no way you're going to reach break-even or that you're completely underfunded or that there's critical resources you need or competitors that blindsided you so uh, needing to to pivot you know or change your plan doesn't mean that the the process of business planning was was wasted at all Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love that word pivot because it's so true. And um, yeah, the whole planning concept, Bruce, I, I have to have that big picture. And I think for me, when I do the business plan and I get it down in paper, on that allows me to really focus in on my goals, which then from my goals, I then come up with my daily list of things to do. And you right. can, we're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, I can't wait for you to tell me everything I'm doing wrong, Bruce, <laughs> because it's forever changing here. But we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about business plans when we come back. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on toginet.com. Get ready for smart health with your host, Dr. Glenn Mia. Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Smart Health is a one-hour program dedicated to discussions, interviews, and news in the ever-changing world of medicine. Information leads to smart choices, and smart choices lead to a healthier lifestyle. That's the quote of host and broadcast journalist Dr. Glenn Mia, M.D. This magazine-style radio show is a fast-paced program bringing together medical experts, authors, and patients to examine what works and what doesn't in staying healthy. Dr. Glenn Mia is a board-certified physician in pediatrics and internal medicine. His philosophy to wellness starts with an investment. He says proper nutrition, rest, and exercise are the best personal investments to maintaining good health. So join us for Smart Health with Dr. Glenn Mia. Fridays at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose and all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. Welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here. So, and we have Bruce Buckenheimer, who's a professor at Pace University. So, all right, Bruce. So before break, I was telling you, I feel like I always do everything wrong in my business or I have to do it two times before I get it straight and get it right. So let's talk about the planning phase in the business and how an entrepreneur 
out there can, if they're just starting their business plan in the very beginning, what are the key parts of that plan that they will need in order to have um, the basis for running their business? How's that, Bruce? Let's think about somebody really starting out in the beginning. Okay. And, and the first thing I said, it's, uh, the first thing that I would say is, um, you know, it's better to, to do something and make mistakes than, than not do anything at all. So you know, someone <laughs> said 90% of entrepreneurship is showing up because if you don't show up, there's, there's nothing else there. So, um, so that's good. I, I think one thing to do is, is to step back and ask yourself, uh, who are you writing the plan for? Um, if it's for you, you know, in other words, you don't need external funding, you know, you're not writing it for a, a banker, investor, etc. I think the, the thing that you want to find out, is this really worth doing? You know, um, think of the opportunity cost of leaving your job or, you know, um, maxing out your credit cards or, you know, um, taking out a second mortgage or asking, you know, friends and um, family for, for other kinds of support. What is, is it just worth doing? And, you know, it, it's very hard to um, know what you don't know. So in a way, it's a, a process of discovery. It's trying to find out, you know, all the things about the product, the market, the industry, the competitors, the economics of the, of the business, you know, what are the key drivers, and, and something with uh, the finances, you know, how much money will I need, how much would I expect to make, um, you know, what, what will my cash flow look like when, you know, will I, I need money because you can't um, start asking for money when you realize there's, there's not enough in your checking account to, you know, pay for inventory or make payroll or rent, etc., so uh, aside from you, you know, if you're writing it to get a bank loan, you know, a small business loan, the main thing they're concerned about are, are they going to get their principal back with interest? If you're writing mm -hmm. it for an investor, the main thing they're going to be concerned with is, you know, how much money will they make? Um, you could also be writing it for like a, a franchisee if you plan to open a franchise, a partner, a key supplier, um, you know, any number of other people that you may want to get on board with your plan. Um, and, you know, and they're going to want to see the value and, and be looking at something else. So one thing is, you know, what are you writing it for? Another That's thing, a great point. That's a great point, um, Bruce. And maybe we'll talk about finances a little later because you did bring up the importance of when should someone ask for the money? You know, you never want to ask when you don't have any. It's, you've missed the boat at that point. Um, but when does somebody actually ask for the money? Right, and and a resource, um, you know, it just occurred to me, it's something I've, I've been using for students, and it, it helps a lot, and I think it would be helpful for your listeners. There's something called the Business Model Canvas, and okay. you could download it for free. It's just businessmodelgeneration.com, and it looks at some very basic things, not technical, not business-like, but basically, you know, what type of you know value propositions you have? Which customer segments are you trying to reach? What channels are you going to reach them? What does those relationships look like? You know some of the key activities you need um, to do, key resources, key partners, and then basically your cost structure and your revenue streams. And it makes like a map, and you could visually, especially for people that are more visual than you know, spreadsheet or writing, um, it's just a nice resource to be able to put things visually and, um, and look, and there's a nice introductory um, 
you know, video on that site. So, you know, for people that aren't used to using package business plan software or, or working on Excel spreadsheets, um, this might be a nice way to get started. Okay, I love that idea. I'm actually going to check it out, Bruce. That sounds really good. So, and Bruce, I just wanted to kind of go back to one other really important point that you made, that it's the person behind the product or the service. The person behind the business is so crucial and important. You know um, what I thought of when you said that, Bruce? What do you think about Shark Tank? Do you watch it often? I, you know, I, I've seen it, and, you know, earlier iterations, like a, a long time ago, there was that Rocco Dispirito restaurant. There was, of course, you know, Donald Trump's show. Um, there was, you know, that. I, I, think it's, um, I think it's good. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, you know, fall in love with an idea, and it's very hard for you to step out and, uh-huh. you know, look at this objectively. You know what? Do people really need this? What would they really be willing to pay? Is it so much better than a competitor? Is there even a real need for it? Um, you know, op- um, entrepreneurs are, you know, in a way, eternal optimists. You know, that's the reason you get into it. But it's very, you know, important to, you know, be able to honestly separate yourself from that and, and look at it objectively. And, you know, one way to do that is just get something out to the market. These days, you know, the term lean startup or ultralight startup is getting a lot of press. This idea of get some minimal viable product out in the customer's hand, get some feedback, and then, you know, quickly adopt or pivot. And, you know, in a way, Shark Tank is not necessarily getting out to the market, but getting, you know, someone else's um, more honest opinion. Yeah. It's so important, Bruce, to get away from the family and friends. And, you know, I agree with you 100% with what you said, because it's almost what I did with my Glovies product, is that I had one idea that was completely different from my current product right now. But what happened was I had to be willing to pivot and to change because I just realized that although my first product, there was demand for it, it was such a smaller segment of the market as opposed to my current product, which is a multi-purpose product for, you know, children all the way up to the age of nine or 10 years old. And um, I just think, like you said, it's so important to be flexible and to just determine what the market out there is telling you as a business owner. If had I had my blindfolders on or, you know, put my two fingers in my ears and didn't listen to anybody, I don't know what would have happened. You know, my business would not have taken off the way that it has this year. So I think you're right. so right about that. And, and sometimes that means, you know, completely changing a product, but sometimes it just means um, small, some small tweaks in the product or reaching, you know, a, a different market or customers may have a, a different use than you um, thought they would have for the product. So, and that's, that's happened so many times in, in a lot of companies. So it could be needing to change the whole product. It could mean small adjustments in the product could have a dramatic effect, or it could just mean... Um, marketing it to to a different segment, possibly for a different use. Yeah, that's a great point. Now, I have a question, Bruce. The business plan, do you look at it as a 
totally different from the marketing plant because everybody has said, well, a lot of people out there are always known for saying that without marketing, it doesn't matter how good your product is if the world doesn't know that it exists. Are they that's, two uh, separate things? No, that's, or? That's, yeah, no, no, that's true. You know, I... I like to say, I, I never quite got that old expression, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, doesn't make a sound. And in, in a way, you know, if you have this product and no one's heard about it, you know, doesn't matter, doesn't make a sound. Um, and so marketing is important. I think it was Peter Drucker who said companies exist for two reasons, to make things and sell them. And clearly, you know, marketing is the selling them. Um, marketing is one part of selling. You know, there's advertising, there's promotion, but sales, you know, people use the term sales and marketing synonymously, and they are quite different. Marketing, you could look at the overall, um, you know, marketing mix, like the four P's, the product, the price, the promotion Mm -hmm. place, you know, how you'd like it to be perceived, that's very important. But then there's the sales, you know, getting out there and and closing the deal, getting someone to open up their wallet, um, you know, is is a very important task, and one that you know, a lot of people, particularly in, in uh, cool colleges and universities, don't think about because it's not as sexy as something like, you know, venture capital and strategy or, or marketing in general. But never underestimate how important sales are and salesmanship. Yeah, it's so funny, Bruce. I always say this on my show because I have a mentor um, that I'm always having this argument with him. I'm like, he's on one end of the spectrum. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. And he keeps telling me it's all about distribution. And I kind of feel like it's all about the marketing because distribution doesn't worry me because if you're a true entrepreneur and you have the passion for your product, I think you can get the distribution. The problem, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it, in some cases, that could be. But if you look at um, where you there's closed distribution channels or, or very tight distribution channels that you're going to depend on, um, you know, if you need to sell um, certain fast-moving consumer goods, you know, that, uh, you know, a soda, a new beverage or something, you know, you have to be on grocery market shelves. And those are um, difficult distribution channels to break into mm-hmm. with high sliding fees. If you want to sell songs, you know, you have to be on iTunes or, or similar type of distribution channels. If they don't take it, you um, can be out of luck. Also, especially in foreign markets, um, distribution channels can be, you know, very closed and, and difficult to break into. You know, these days with the Internet, you know, people think, oh, I could just, you know, create a site and, you know, an e-commerce site and be able to sell or put something on Amazon or something crafty on Etsy. And in many cases, that's true. If there is demand, you'll find the distribution, but there's certain um, products where the, the distribution um, channel is extremely important. Think about if, if you are selling something, um, a very specialized type of equipment, medical equipment or something, that distribution channel, you know, the medical suppliers, the hospital, the doctors, if you don't have that, um, you're not going to be able to, to sell your product. So, right. I again, agree that, that, with that. Interesting yeah. that that's one of the things that is on that, that business model generation canvas that I mentioned. You know, how do you reach the, your customers uh, and what is the relationship with them? Okay. We're already up on half halfway through our show. But everybody, stay with us, and we're going to continue talking about great business plans. Thanks, everyone. 
We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success, more stability, more happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smarts, strategies, and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. It's talking smack with Beth, the real sports mom. It's one hour of hot topics that matter to sports moms and athletes. We'll be bringing you tips and advice from the leaders in youth sports today, as well as some inspiring stories from athletes and sports moms. With our own Sports Moms Roundtable, you're invited to be part of our show. We strive to educate and empower sports moms everywhere. Join us for Talking Smack with Beth, the real sports mom, every Thursday at 12 noon central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. It's Josephine here, and I have Professor Bruce Bockenheimer from Pace University with us today, and we are talking all about business plans. So, Bruce, we were talking about the importance of, um, you know, this whole discussion I always have with my mentor about marketing and distribution. So, I agree with you that distribution is super important. So you have to get on the shelves or get into the um, hospitals. The hospitals are a little different from retail. My product is so different because I have so many different markets. But Bruce, if we just look at retail stores now, my whole thing with my Glovius product is if I get on the shelves of these stores, what happens if nobody even knows about the product? And that's why I, what I was trying to say to my uh, mentor, who he completely does not agree with me, is that I would almost rather create a huge buzz around my product and have everybody at least know or have heard about my product in some way, shape, or form so that when they see it on the shelf, they'll be willing to buy it. I mean, it's a well, catch-22, I feel. Well, it, it's two things. There's kind of push marketing and, and pull marketing. Sometimes, you know, if you um, create enough of a buzz and people go to a store and say, you know, do you carry Glovies? And they don't. After, you know, a number of people ask, they're going to, you know, Google Glovies and find out how to, you know, get some in stock. On the other hand, if, if they see that and it's something they hadn't thought of um, and say, well, that's great, um, it's something they may purchase without it. Again, it, it when you talk about the four P's of, of, of marketing, you know, product, how it's defined, price, what are you charging? But 
promotion in place. What channels are you promoting it? At what places does it sell at? You know, some things will sell perfectly fine on the internet. Some things you you know you're only going to buy at a retail store. Some things are impulse purchases um, that you you didn't know about ahead of time. Some things you go in very deliberately to look. And what's important mm-hmm. is that you know each entrepreneur, small business owner. Um, try to figure out what that is, and not just you know in their head based on their own assumptions, but by talking to experts and mentors and you know people in the industry. But most importantly, by doing it, by getting it out there. I mean, I have students. Um, I just finished a course yesterday called Entrepreneurial Implementation, where students mm-hmm. have to actually implement some aspect of a business. And just in the course of the 14 weeks, it, it was really amazing what. Some people found which distribution channels worked and didn't. Um, that sounds you know, like a, a some, fun project. It was, and and you know the the place where it's distributed is is extremely important. And think of push marketing and pull marketing and um, building brand awareness, and also where people purchase things. Again, not not everything is is purchased on the internet. You started to give us an example of what somebody had done, Bruce. Well, one example, um, you know, that was a little surprising. One of the students um, started off, he was going to do some um, custom athletic promotion and then realized, you know, w- what his real value proposition is not in in printing and all, but it, it's in customization of things. And he thought by offering on his website a, a wide variety where people can upload images and customize everything from an iPhone case or T-shirt, whatever they want, that that would work. And what he found out is, yeah, well, people want things customized. They're also somewhat lazy and would rather just have a choice of a bunch of things. And, and by chance, the, the site that worked best for him was Etsy, which is normally where you would go to buy, you know, crafted jewelry and stuff. So right. from his original concept of what it was to his realization of what the different value propositions are and it's not what customers say they want. It, it's what they actually purchase. Um, you know, sometimes people aren't exactly sure what they want. Um, and and sometimes um, it's because they don't know what, what's available. You know, Henry Ford was famous for saying, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they'd say faster horses. They didn't know that they, you know, <laughs> wanted cars. Um, or, or Steve Jobs said nobody would say that they wanted an iPad. They didn't know it exists. But, you know, even um, people sometimes just don't, don't know what they want. They need to, to see it. Or there's there's a subconscious um, level of, of, of purchase decisions that go on. I think you're so right about that. And Bruce, I mean, to think of how business has changed in the past 10 years, it, it blows my mind. The fact that I was able to get my brand new product and I, within, seriously, I think it took me an hour to get my product online with Amazon, and within another hour, I was already receiving orders, and maybe it was a fluke, but it's just amazing at how quickly you can actually get your product out in the real world, and for me personally, it's proving customer demand, and then once you get distribution you know, or you're trying to get your distribution, you have credibility and you have customers going on and giving reviews and saying, your product's a great product. I've used it for this. And, and Bruce, to get back to what you had said before, that sometimes you have multiple uses for your product that you never even thought of 
Amazon is a great way because you get all that customer feedback and none of this, you know, of course you have your Amazon fees and all that, but think of how much money companies had to pay years ago just to get the feedback from from the customer, the actual end user of the product, whereas today we really don't have to invest that much money to get that information. No, and that's, you know, the power of those sites and, and social media. And it's funny because so many companies are afraid of that. You know, they're just afraid of, you know, uh, getting some bad criticism or critique. But And yet, uh, on a way, they'll, they'll try to shut out that but then pay a, a marketing research firm a huge amount of money to go survey customers. And what people say on a, on a survey is kind of what they're expected to say um, or in a way what you want them to say. And you know, what better information is there than actual customers? So it, it's, you know, kind of interesting that so many large companies are in a way afraid of, you know, customers leaving comments or managing social media or taking criticism, but, you know, it's, it's the best way to adjust your business. Yeah, I, I think, you know, all feedback to me is is so crucial and so important because if you do get negative feedback, I mean, Bruce, think about how much money we could save as entrepreneurs. You know, if somebody says, you know, it didn't work for this, well, it might jog your brain to um, push customers into a different direction. Right. I don't know. No, it's important. I think one of, you know, the most important thing, you know, if you talk about, you know, traits for entrepreneurs is, you know, having some passion and persistence, you know, something you're really passionate about and, and the, the determination drive to, to persist. But, you know, too many um, people mix up passion and persistence with um, you know, being arrogant and stubborn. Um, you know, you, you can be persistent about something, but, you know, you have to take, you know, customer feedback and, and adjust, you know, that's, there, there's a big difference between being, you know, passionate and arrogant or being persistent and being stubborn. Oh, I like that. I think you're so right about that. And it's all about just being, I guess, as flexible as you can. But um, so, Bruce, when I was writing some questions down to ask you, my question is, how do you go about keeping your business plan alive? Is it really just being honest with yourself? You know, I, I think it's, it's being honest and, um, you know, taking feedback, but it's also, you know, being analytical, conducting, you know, research and analysis and thinking about strategy. You know, you, you have to, to step back and look at it. Um, and, you know, it, you know, nice to say a business plan is a, is a living document. You know, just, you know, when you, you finish writing it, um, it's not like, okay, this is, you know, the, the commandments that we have to follow it, it does change. It does adjust. And um, one thing is people make a lot of assumptions when they're preparing a business plan, and it's very important to track those assumptions and figure out yeah. when can I test that assumption that I was right or wrong. I thought I needed a 1,000 square feet. Is that true or not? I thought it would work in this market. Was that correct or not? I, I figured the price points or whatever. So it's important when you are creating that business plan and, and you're making assumptions, and you will make a lot of them, you know, basically every financial assumption in every business plan was wrong. It's just a matter of degree and direction. But all those assumptions, financial and otherwise, you know, should be tracked and figure out when can I test this? When can I find out what I need to adjust? Um, 
you know, but in the end, I, I tell the students the real value of the business plan is, is the actual process of writing it. You know, you could throw out the business plan that, that the, as soon as it comes off the printer, the, the, the value, you know, was not having a document in a, in a drawer. It's the process of doing it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So how often should it be revamped, Bruce? I know that it's different for every business, but should it actually at least once a year, maybe this time of the year, to just go back and say what is working and what's not? Yeah, you know, I think in, um, you know, traditionally people may have done that on an, on an annual cycle. Um, you know, clearly these days with technology and competition and markets changing so quickly, even on a, any other business probably need to do it more often. Or, you know, we talk about continuously looking at it. It doesn't mean every minute or, or every day, but on a, on a continuous basis as you receive feedback. Now, again, some products may be, you know, much more stable and um, demand is more stable and, you know, the components that go into it and the pricing and the customer base. And, you know, maybe you don't need to, to um, take a look at it, you know, any more than on an annual basis just to make sure um, you're still on track and that there's not some, you know, new opportunities you're missing. But, you know, for most businesses, I would say that that's more of a, uh, a continuous process than a, um, you know, some kind of incremental or annual or quarterly process. Yeah, I think that you're 100% right. But, um, Bruce, I think especially in a small business, it's helpful to have the business plan because it allows your main, your key people to understand where the business is going. What do you think about that? No, it's important, and it's important to share that information. If you want to get people on board, you know, some buy-in and, and commitment and, and motivated, you know, they should feel a part of it, a part of it. And, you know, a good way is, is to share information. But aside from, you know, regular employees, so to speak, a lot of times when you start a business, you may realize, you know, there's a key partner I need. I don't, I don't have these technical skills. I really need some with that or a specific industry or marketing, whatever that experience is. And sometimes to get that person on board, you know, having a business plan, a compelling business plan is what will make, make it or break it. That's so important. And here we are in another break. But everyone stay with us and we'll be back shortly with Bruce Bockenheimer from Pace University. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown, and after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. 
we can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose and all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here, and we have Professor Bruce Bockenheimer from Pace University with us. And before Bruce shares with us his five business tips, um, I'd like to open up the floor for Bruce to um, just give us a little more information about all the great projects he's working on over at Pace. So it's all yours, Bruce. Okay, thank you. So, um you know, one thing that we, we launched at Pace, Pace's entrepreneurship program was actually um, you know, formally established in 1979, so it'll be celebrating its 35th anniversary next year. It's one of the earlier um, programs in the country. But one of the more recent initiatives we did was to launch an entrepreneurship lab. It's a, um, a physical space that brings together entrepreneurial people, not just from the business school, but from Pace's six schools and colleges to, you know, work on projects and, um, you know, they could be starting businesses or any number of other things. Um, and, and that's a, a physical location in downtown, a block away from Pace's main campus. And the website is pace.edu slash elab, E-L-A-B, um, for Entrepreneurship Laboratory. And the reason I'd mention that um, on air for your Uh, listeners is that there's a lot of resources there. I mean, while it's primarily designed for pay students, we have um, a lot of guest speakers um, and events, and those are open to the public. We have competitions, a a pitch contest, a business plan competition, a mobile app design contest. We have a a number of speakers and roundtable of events, a roundtable events, fireside shots, etc., those are available to the public, but also I um, record a lot of these um, guest speakers, events, and activities and put them up on our YouTube channel, and we have something like uh, 200 videos already that have received you know, just thousands of, of views, and people are, are watching them, and that's available as a, as a link on pace.edu slash elab, or you could just go to youtube.com slash user slash Pace eLab. So those are resources that I, I think may be helpful. And there we you know, do have a business plan competition. You could read 
the executive summaries of past winners and look at some of the guidelines for, you know, different sections that go in a business plan. Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, wonderful, Bruce. Thanks for giving us that background. So, Bruce, uh, are you ready to share with us your first business tip? Okay, I. Um, this is is one that um, it may sound like a cliche, but for every successful entrepreneur I've um, interviewed and spoke to, have said it, and that's hire people smarter than you. Yes. Um, it's not easy to do because as a small business, it's hard to find them, you know, to, to recruit them, you know, retain them, motivate them. But if you could hire people smarter than you and then delegate tasks, you know, just delegate an entire task with the resources, authority, and accountability, that's the way to get a scalable business. I mean, it's fine if you want a small business, a lifestyle business, but if you want your business to grow and scale, um, you can't do everything yourself. So one of the... Um, primary objective should be to try to hire people smarter than you. Okay, great. That's number one. And I think I agree with you 100%. Bruce, am I correct in saying that you spoke at one of the Make Mine a Million Dollar um, events? I, I did. I spoke at it and I was a judge. And, um, you know, I've been really interested in um, that area of women entrepreneurship. You know, the idea is to get um, their business revenues to uh, women-owned business revenues to a million dollars. It's hard to break that barrier, and it's interesting. There's there's a lot of really interesting reasons why it's more difficult. I mean, something like a third of businesses in America are owned by women, but they only account for something like three to five percent of employment and and sales revenue. Um, and and there's a lot of things I, I can't get into them all here, yeah. but. Um, but, but a lot of, of very interesting factors that cause that some that uh, women Im- impose on themselves for the exact same business, they'll ask for less money, um, you know, and the type of businesses they go into, you know, tends to be more, you know, service-oriented than, you know, say technology that, that can grow faster, but, but that's changing. Um, yeah. I remember, you know, n- now that you mentioned your YouTube channel and everything, I did see um, something there, and actually, Nell Morlino was a guest on my radio show. Uh, oh. It's probably it's over a year ago, I guess, but it it really is a great great organization, and I did attend some of their events. So I just no, thought, they're good, no, they're they're a great organization, and their partnership with, with Amex. But also, um, I just spoke last week at a group uh, called Golden Seeds. It's an angel and VC investment group specifically for women-owned businesses. I was a guest a couple times on uh, Working Woman Report, a WPIX television show. And also just another um, resource that people may be interested in. I'm on the board and a past chair of the MIT Enterprise Forum of New York City, and we have a lot of events. That's um, MITEF-NYC.org, and it's part of the global um, MIT Enterprise Forum, which has, you know, 28 chapters around the world, you know, based up at, at MIT in Cambridge, and that URL is just MITEF.org, another great resource for entrepreneurs, um, women, and others. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Thanks for that info, um, Bruce. All right, so I guess let's move on to business tip number two. Well, um, I, I have put it in writing, and not just because of a business plan, but if you put your 
goals in writing, um, plans, obviously a business plan should be in writing, but all kinds of other things. It, it not only clarifies your thinking, but avoids miscommunication. You know, people hear what they um, want to hear and believe what, you know, is convenient for them, but having that in writing, whether it's uh, an order with a vendor, um, directions for an art project, instructions for an employee, um, thinking about your goals and how do you change those goals into a strategy and, and what tactics can you, you know, put in place to, to um, you know, implement that strategy. Putting it in writing is, is important. And I know just from doing things like this interview, taking the time, obviously I have a lot of thoughts in my head and could pontificate for an hour, but putting it in writing, you know, organizes it and, um, you know, makes it um, able to, you know, get a lot more information across in a lot uh, more compelling and convincing and concise manner. So I'd I think say, that's you know, so put things smart. in writing. Put it in writing. I love that tip. So bu- that's business tip number two. How about business tip number three? I'd say to, and we, we touched on this a bit, but continuously examine, you know, how you are really adding value to your customers. You know, that's what businesses exist, you know, to, um, to solve problems or, or create benefits for customers. And it's so easy to lose track of your customers and, and what you're doing or why you're in business. Um, and I say really, you know, adding value for your customers, not what you think, but based on, as we talked about, the feedback you're receiving, the comments, you know, there's nothing more validating than, than actual sales. What are those sales trends, different markets? What are people using it for? Um, because the problems that they're solving uh, may not be what you think. I mean, one example that, that just popped into mind, um, Avon Skin So Soft. You know, people were buying it as an insect repellent. You know, it took Avon a, right. a long time to figure that out. That's so funny. I have to tell you, Bruce, my father was very, very big on that way in the beginning. I don't know. I I could swear my father invented that because it was but, the funniest thing. We'd be on the beach and my father would be like, where's the Avon, you know, skin so soft? And he'd be spraying himself. But it worked. Right. It really and, and did. The real, the strategic, right. And the real strategic value of that is not that they sell a bit more skin so soft, but it's suddenly a way to break into a lot more households that, you know, weren't welcoming an Avon lady because now, you know, people want to, to, to use it maybe just to buy skin so soft, but it, it opens the door to, you know, letting them introduce the other products that Avon has that people may have never thought about. So there's a strategic benefit to that as well. Great. All right. With less than three minutes left and two business tips okay. to go. Business tip number four. I would say um, that idea, it's tied to the previous one, but test your assumptions. I mentioned this before. Um, you know, it, writing a business plan is not just taking what's in your heading and putting it on paper. It's figuring out what you don't know, what assumptions you're making, and when can you test those assumptions. And those assumptions are, are from the most mundane things um, to the, the most uh, big-picture strategic things, but you always have to test them. You know, always question um, every assumption you make. You know, record when you're making it and figure out how you could test it. And and that's not just by, con, you know, conducting some general surveys, but, you know, doing real research, perform analysis, get market, you know, um, information, product and service uh, information, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. get things out to the market as quickly as you can. Perfect. And should I go and right on to the last one? Yeah, let's go right into it. 
All right. I'm so um, continuously develop your skills. You know, you could call it lifetime learning, but you know, don't be afraid of new technology. Embrace it. Um, there's something called T-shaped skills. So across the top of the T, the horizontal axis is a, a breadth of things you have to be good at, like being a butcher, baker, and candlestick maker to be an entrepreneur. But the um, the up-down part of the T, you know, or the the uh, vertical part, that is what kind of skill do I really need to be good at, and you know, that could really differentiate me and and really you know um, help my business a lot. So always improve those skills, both the breadth of skills and the depth of skills. Well, this is wonderful. Bruce, I can't tell you how informative this show has been today. Um, I'm just thrilled to end that you took your time. I know that you're so, so busy, Bruce, and you really took a full hour and all the preparation that went into this show. But we had so much information. I mean, you touched upon everything, the market, the distribution, product, price, promotion, place. You know, we talked about the different parts of the business plan um, and the importance of staying flexible, flexible and pivoting when necessary so i thought it was great but bruce thank you so much for being a part of paying it forward we're coming up on the end of the show and if anybody would like to get in touch with bruce you can go to the toginet website his um website is right up on my web page and um i just like to wish everybody a great great holiday season so thanks again for being a part of paying it forward bruce Thank you. It was a pleasure. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Togginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week we'll be discussing a couple